This episode of 12 Hack Radio is made possible by Nextiva. Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12, and the best business phone service as chosen by U.S. News and World Report. You know it! Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 stay connected with customers and coworkers using one, one, easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, all for a fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Sam. Great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com slash 12pack. Nextiva.com slash 12pack. And we'll put that link in the notes to get started. Oh, Don't you dare be sour. Yes, it is. For 12 Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12 Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac 12 football news, the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model, and your home for the very best Pac 12 gambling advice with William Hills, Max Meyer. I'm Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us, and I am so excited to talk about this week. Crazy week of football all over the place. We had a Sunday game that wasn't scheduled about two days before we recorded on Friday. We had uh, USC. We had Cal. We had uh, Colorado. Don't worry, Colorado fans. We'll get to you. We'll get to you. We had Washington. We had Washington with Jimmy Lake wearing some stupid hat about running the football. We'll get to that, too. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Rob Barron from Sharp College Football. What is going on, Rob? Oh, man. I, it, was, it was kind of a fun. I mean, we lost a lot of games due to the pandemic, but it was a pretty fun weekend overall. It absolutely was. Very, very interesting games, and it was fun to be able to see some of these teams take form and, and frankly, see some teams that hadn't had a chance to practice before hit the field against said teams that have hit their stride. Um, I'm also joined by Max. What's going on, Max? Uh, not much, but congrats to Carl Durrell for locking up Pac-12 Coach of the Year so early. 2-0, and oh, baby. It might, he might go undefeated, uh, you know, with all the scenario that's going on behind us. We already have a game against Colorado and ASU. That game is canceled. We'll go through the Colorado game and our condolences to ASU that had just a real fun matchup against USC in Week 1. And uh, to follow that up with two disappointing uh, no-show games is really uh, a bummer. And, of course, we'll be thinking of that staff and the players as they go through that, that COVID pandemic i know that it hit uh even the head coach uh uh herm edwards and we we remain firm for herm on this podcast um i guess we should open with a little bit of news uh, max let's go with you so, some bad news coming out of oregon yeah no um i saw today that um their freshman uh five-star linebacker justin Flo is out for the year and this is an oregon defense uh against washington state i mean washington state moved the ball but i still have to give credit for oregon I mean, despite a, a terrible turnover differential, uh, that the offense has looked great. I think that there's been a huge improvement in play calling, and they've covered both games so far. Yeah, that was amazing. I've uh, I've stayed in the black by doubling down on Oregon two weeks in a row, which has been uh, quite helpful on my end. Rob, let, let's go with you first. What were your uh, like, give me like three impressions that you had uh, of the first week or a uh, second week? I apologize. I'm, I'm so stuck in uh, in pretending that the games were actually happening. I forgot that they actually did happen. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, we'll definitely get into like some of the specifics, but I, I definitely the jury is still out because we've only seen Arizona once. We've now seen USC twice, and I, I like, I mean, they're still, you know, if they get out of this weekend okay, like they're still like they're going to be a huge favorite to to win the South. But wow, like they they really have some struggles. Like 
<laughs> um, and I do think like Oregon, of course, had some struggles too against Washington State, but you could really see this the, with this Ducks team, like the quality eventually sort of, you know, like uh, in their in their first two games, you know, they they've you know scuffled a little bit, but the the quality has eventually shown through, and and, and they've been able to to put it together. I you know I I, I think the Ducks are looking like a, you know head and shoulders above the rest of the Pac-12. And it, I mean, really, as you, know, you guys pointed out, like I mean, Carl Dura, I mean, Colorado had an opportunity with getting. I mean, the other the other two bad teams in the in the South got, you know, uh, UCLA gets Oregon, Arizona gets Washington, uh, Colorado got Stanford, and they cashed in that check. They <laughs> beat Stanford uh, to start out two and zero, and congrats on that. Yeah, and and I know like the score makes it seem a little, but they beat them handily. Like they were in control of that game, and uh, and, and look, and we'll we'll get into Colorado a little bit more. But like I I came in now when we did our preview podcast of Colorado, I think we were bullish, but like Hivleday was certainly more bullish than I was. Uh, but I th- I thought this was really a show me game against Stanford, and holy Moses, they came out and really showed what they had, and and it was pretty fun. Now it's Stanford, like I, I think Stanford might be back at that four and four and eight level that maybe we had anticipated. But I thought Stanford came out with a lot of fight against Oregon, and for them to go into uh, Boulder and just get kind of uh, just just get handled was was pretty impressive. Max, what what were a couple impressions you had of the first week or s- second week? I, c- I keep saying that second week. Uh, that maybe teams that uh, switch coordinators that we were not so high on in the off season. Uh, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe it's you know same old problems. Like I know uh, USC defensive coordinator may- maybe going from Clancy Pendergast to Todd Orlando or Washington going from Butch Hamden to uh, John Donovan. Uh, yikes on on both fronts. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Um, we'll get into Cal too. I think Cal got put in. Just a really unfair spot. I was surprised that they did that game. Uh, I mean, they looked awful. They looked like they hadn't prepared uh, or, or hadn't practiced. That's a better way of saying it. They looked like they hadn't practiced in two weeks. I mean, they looked like uh, they looked like Navy against BYU almost, Rob. Yeah, I mean, it is. T- I mean, I was just thinking of that example, right, of like because Navy hadn't done any tackling prior to that game. But the the truth of the matter was, though, is if you like, I mean, if you've been paying attention, Navy also stinks this year. Uh, so it's not that, that that first impression you had of like, oh my goodness, like because we, you know, Davy was very good last year. Um, you know, really expecting them to to be a lot more competitive in that game. It wasn't all the lack of practice. Some of it was just that Navy, it turns out, isn't all that good. With Cal, I mean, you know, time will tell. We'll, we'll find out. You know, uh, with a few more games and what they really look like. One more announcement to make before we get into our picks. Uh, and review of week two, and that is the survivor pool. It, this guys, this is such a mess. And one of the things that's been a problem is like if I if I have to track who has COVID and who doesn't, um, and whether or not teams are going to be able to play. Like ASU just has not been able to play the last two weeks. I think I'm going to cancel. <laughs> I'm going to cancel the the Pac-12 survivor pool this year. I just think it's so uncertain, and people have asked me if they can change their pick, and it's at the last minute. I just think it's kind of a mess. If you join the pool, I promise you, I will make it up to you. Um, and I think I'll do it during uh, college basketball season. I'm going to give you all a free entry into whatever contest we do for that. And, and we had a lot of fun with that last time we had bingo cards. We had, um, uh, we had survivor pools in, in the, uh, pack 12 or the NCAA tournament. We did pack 12 tournament and contest. So don't worry. I will make it up to you. I apologize, but it kind of is what it is at this point. So, uh, we, we will definitely make it up to everybody on that front. With that said, let's get into reviewing these games and previewing what's coming up. Let's do it right after this. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Is William Shatner? You want it? Actual gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Baby. Just bust a move. Okay. All right, we're back. We're going through the results of week two. We're going to preview week three. And if this is your first time listening, this is the the way that we do this. We're going to go through each game um, and we're going to talk about the line, but but we're going to go through the games that those teams had played previously. So that way we don't have a review and a preview section where it's just like we're repeating ourselves. We'll start with USC and Utah. USC is a three-point favorite on the road at Utah. And USC came off a 34 to 30 win over Arizona. Now it's interesting. Like I think because we have we have been uh, bullish on certain teams and and pessimistic on other teams. Sometimes people think that we're fans of teams that that we're not. Hey, we, like all, all of these teams are our children. Uh, we but we both went to different schools. Max, uh, an alum of USC. Rob and I, alums at Arizona. So uh, Rob, let's go with you first, since we've. We, I think Arizona has been a bit under the radar and. Look, we've been wrong on some teams, and that's what happens in a preseason. But, man, I think we nailed Arizona. Are you asking me because I made the case to be a li- like not extremely bullish, but a little bullish on Arizona? Moder- mod- <laughs> modestly bullish. Modestly, <laughs> just just like one not, undone button, yeah. Yeah, not terrible. Um, not as terrible as people. Like, people were predicting Arizona to be, like, falling a- apart into, like, you know, catastrophe mode this season. I thought that was crazy. I think that... You know, if you're a takeaway, you know, the takeaways from this game really are, um, you know, in a couple cases for USC that like I I have I have real questions about Graham Harrell's play calling and adjustments. They I mean, Slovis had some struggles. Right. And I I think that they're the the questions about Slovis, you know, really being able to I mean, he didn't even seem to be throwing tight spirals. (laughs) He got a he got away he got away with some passes uh, in the game that maybe you know one in particular of course um, you know if Christian Roland Wallace is just an inch taller is an interception you know but he really he didn't seem to have zip on the ball at all I mean up until like the last drive um, you know maybe the last pass they they didn't seem they don't seem to have on offense like the kind of gear that they had last season and they haven't. I mean, we, we did think coming into this season that ASU's defense would certainly take a step forward, and it looked like they did in that first game against USC. Arizona's defense, though, like I thought they would be better with the new staff. Uh, it would be hard to be worse than they were under the old staff, uh, and I thought that the graduate transfers in on the defensive line would make a difference, um, and I think that that is true. I, I would still would hesitate to say project that Arizona's going to be a good defense off of this one performance, but USC still really struggled in this game. Um, you know, both teams had a lot of penalties, uh, in the game. I mean, for USC to go in there against what really they, you know, both in, in, in projections and beta rank and, you know, and, in, uh, you know, with the line, you know, as a double digit favorite to go in and really, you know, play, you know, like this, uh, gives you a lot of questions and also about the defense, right? I mean, Gannell was good. He, there's certainly some things he could have improved on. 
you know, and, and Arizona ran the ball pretty well. Brightwell, you know, had 5.3 carry. I mean, yeah, I mean, like the takeaway. I mean, like the takeaways from this game is like, I can't wait to see Arizona again, see if, you know, what's real and what's not right. Like they're going to have a real tough game this week. Uh, but USC, like, I mean, they, they've managed to escape two pretty middling performances thus far. Really their only tough game, real tough game they have left on the schedule is in front of them right now with Utah. But How they dare looked you? Vulner- Colorado fans are, are just no, 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 but they looked vulnerable enough to 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 lose to Colorado or UCLA or Washington State. Like they they have not looked like a team that gives you confidence that they're going to get through the rest of their slate. Like I mean, does that did you guys come away from watching USC in the first two games feeling that they were anywhere near what like even reasonable expectations were for them? Uh, I would actually so for the second game. Um, I mean, U.S. with with the with the penalties and and the terrible uh, play calling on third and fourth and short um, and and Slovis's arm, like definitely all uh, cause for concern. But devil's advocate, I mean, USC reached the red zone eight times, which is a lot. So not I, I guess I don't know for me. Um, I'm still like very, and I, I mean, you brought this up. I, I'm still like very concerned about Arizona's defense. Um, and, but I, I mean, they are playing Washington, but Washington only scored three points and a half against Oregon state's defense, which I'm not really high on high on at all either. Um, I still think that USC can out talent teams, but definitely not to where they should be double digit favorites on the road anymore. I mean, it's tough. I mean, if you think about it, though, I mean, like if Arizona doesn't turn the ball over, they win. If they don't, you know, like if they don't kick, attempt to kick four. I mean, Arizona was in the I mean, had four field goal attempts in this game, right? Like, I mean, it was like that's the, like we expected USC's defense to to at least be more serviceable than they were last season, I, and I think they may be a little bit better, but they don't look a lot better. There was- also, can we can we just talk about? I just one of I think one of my favorite Clay Helton sequences of all time. How USC had second and goal from the Arizona one in a tie game, and then um, it was false start, delay of game, incomplete pass, missed twenty eight yard field goal. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. The one thing we should mention, there were some injuries on the defense for USC throughout the game. Uh, Going through some of the numbers here, I mean, you had Keaton Slovis, 30 for 43, 70% completion rate. Some of those were ducks, like you mentioned, Rob, and and there was some commentary on that uh, uh, on Twitter from, um, I forget which which one of the guys from Podcast of Champions covers the the USC team, but he had kind of highlighted that. um, Hopefully, uh, that will not be a problem in the next game. 325 yards, a touchdown. They did one of the questions I had was, was USC going to be able to run the ball? Because that had been a problem for them uh, over and over and over again. And they got it done this time. They had 80 yards from Stephen Carr, 82 from Marquis Stepp. Um, I know uh, they had more, but those were kind of the two uh, top producers, two touchdowns between them. Amon Ross St. Brown, 100 yards. Tyler Vaughn's able to get it done. Drake London. So, I mean, they moved the ball, like Max said. But, God, it's just it – just, Ugh. It, I mean, I understand why USC fans are just kind of, they've had it. Like, right, you, you you creep away from a game against USC or against Arizona. You creep away from a game with ASU, and they, they might go undefeated again. <laughs> and Helton might be there. But but I do, I do think you're right, Rob, where this is a team that has significant weaknesses, and if they don't get their act together, Max, they're, they're going to lose to somebody. 
Yeah. And I mean, the uh, USC actually, though, they, I mean, they really lucked out that this is Utah season opener because having two games under your belt and your opponent not having any, especially with all the turnover that Utah had this offseason, it is an enormous advantage, in my opinion. And just letting Gunnell, who is not a dual threat quarterback, it was funny. I, I, Rob, you, <laughs> you had tweeted about this. Go ahead. I mean, like, they, like, like USC was at a point where, like, you have to put a spy on Grant Canal because he's torching you on the ground. <laughs> that that seems to max. Has that been a problem for USC? It's something that I've noticed, but um, always, yeah, <sighs> always. I mean, Jane Daniels the week before, but oh my god, every every single time there's like an like Huntley or well, I mean Huntley was, but uh, oh no, who am I? Oh, um, Tyler Wilson, I think was the was the Utah quarterback before Huntley. I just remember him burning. USC. I mean, uh, Khalil Tate had some had some big rushing games on the ground. It just feels. It felt like, and I feel like the big one was when USC had that cross country trip to Boston College, and I forgot the name of the Boston College quarterback who ran for like 200 yards on them. But that was a sight to behold. Last thing to mention on my end uh, from this game before we get into the preview against Utah is eight tackles for a loss from Arizona. Um, it just seemed like you mentioned, Rob, sometimes those grad transfer, transfers that came in, they made a difference on that defensive line. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we preview the Arizona game, but um, just something to keep an eye on. Uh, that offensive line, we'll, we'll see. Um, let, let's get into this here. So USC is a three-point favorite against Utah. Utah didn't have a game this week. Um, so this will be the third straight team, Rob, that USC has played that is, that will be premiering in the Pac-12. Should we all be so lucky? <laughs> Uh, so Beta, I mean, Beta Rank, Utah, of course, hasn't moved at all in, in the model, right? Like they they're still sitting at where they, you know, like with the score that they were at. Uh, USC's fallen a little bit, um, and so Utah comes in right now in the in, in Beta Rank with a 61% win probability, and they're in a th- they're a three and a half point favorite in, in Beta Rank, right? Because and that's all proje- I mean, you, that that for Utah is all projection, right? Off of um, you know a defense that we expect to take a step back. Um, an offense that, you know, we expect to be a little, you know, with some of what they're bringing back, be a little bit better. But we we have a lot of, I mean, we've we've had a lot of questions about what the offense might look like. I mean, if you're the Utes, as you as you pointed out, I mean, like super bummed that you don't have any practice coming into this. But um, so it's going to be the what projects to be the number thirty offense for Utah against the number fifty three defense for USC currently. Woof. Yeah. Um, I mean, and USC's numbers are. I mean, and then. Uh, USC's offense hasn't really hasn't set the world on fire in a lot of ways. Um, they're at 22 right now in beta rank, and then Utah's defense comes in projected at 44. I mean, where you where USC and you point as you pointed out, Max, with like so many trips to the red zone, but yet not so many points. Their drive efficiency on offense, they're really struggling to to turn drives into points. They're at 98 right now in beta rank. That's an unweighted number. Um, you know, so there's no pre, there's no projection in that. That's just a rock, you know, the not a raw count, but that would be where they would sit with no adjustment for you know the fact that we only have two games in. You know, that one's that one's a big concern uh, if I'm USC. And then on the defensive side, like their numbers are actually trending very much below. Like they're the in-season numbers that we have seen from the defense are actually trending very much in the wrong direction from even them being able to keep a 53. Um, their explosive drive number is at 91, play efficiency is 114, not enough three and outs, number 78, negative drives. They have a decent drive efficiency number. That's really helped by, of course, like Arizona having, you know, four field goal attempts in the red zone on long drives and missing one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a 
It's not, I mean, it is a tough, like I, 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 I felt like coming into this, like if you had told me Utah hadn't had any t- chance to practice, like I, I probably agree USC should be a little bit of a favorite, but I don't know that I have that much confidence in this USC team right now. I don't know, man. After seeing Cal uh, try to play and Washington try to play uh, after a week, oh yeah. I mean, they they both, and we'll get to those games, obviously. Uh, Max, you know, one of the questions I had for you was, what do you what do you think about the the front seven and the secondary? I mean, I think Utah. I mean, we kind of know what they're going to do, right? You got the you got the tight ends. You you have a couple wide receivers. Keep a lookout for Brian Thompson. I really like him. Um, and then they have the rushing game with, with not Zach Moss. Uh, let's start with that rushing, that front seven against the rushing game. Um, do, do you think that USC is going to have enough to, to pressure whoever the quarterback is and kind of keep that uh, rushing tack in uh, in check? Well, I feel like USC is pretty boomer bust. Like they get like their fair share of negative plays, but they also give up way too many big plays and, and too many quarterback scrambles. And, and, I, and I feel like that that's kind of like a staple of uh, the Todd Orlando defense so far. And so I'm, I'm kind of expecting the same thing uh, from Utah, uh, whether it, they're going to get their fair share of big gains, but they're all, I, I feel like USC is also going to get a good amount of negative plays as well. And what about the secondary? Like, uh, you know, against those tight, like have you guys traditionally done against tight ends? I don't think really there's anybody that can stretch that defense. Although again, Thompson may actually be able to do that. I'm not sold on the other guys, Enos. And um, I forget the other, the other gentleman right now, obviously Burton Covey, but he's not like a, you know, a vertical guy. Um, how, how do you think that secondary has been able to perform so far? Uh, I mean, Chris Steele, I've never seen anyone flagged more uh, whenever the ball is thrown at them in my life. Um, I, I actually think I, I think that Brand Keithy could have a, like a really strong game. Um, I, I, I mean, who uh, Talanoa Hufanga was uh, injured, and I, I personally think that he's USC's best defensive player. Um, I just I don't I don't really know if I see. I mean, USC does have good safeties, but I I just think that Keithy is such a strong weapon, and that um, Utah's coaching staff like will find ways to free him open because he's such a game changer. And then Rob, you know, Max nailed the. I didn't think Arizona was going to be able to put up the the amount of points they did, and I was wrong. Max hit that. He, he said I think twenty eight points is what Max said twenty eight to twenty one to twenty eight. Arizona ends up scoring thirty, and uh, and that make me made me take a step back. I mean, I watched that whole game, and I'm like, oh man, if if they're giving this up to Gary Brightwell and a and an okay Arizona offensive line, the the one thing I think they had going for it, and I'm not certain if it. It is Arizona's wide receivers aren't good in terms of stretching the field, or if USC's cornerbacks uh, were able to kind of keep them in check. But what do, you, what do you think about Utah's offense against USC's defense? So you, the one thing you have to say that USC executed really well in the game was they came up and played, uh, and often played press um, and jammed Arizona's wide receivers at the line of scrimmage, and and then you know had them in man, and and I think did a good job in a lot of cases, right? Like. Uh, Goodell could have been smarter and hit the check down more often. I think that would have helped, but he would have, I mean, the, the trouble was that, you know, his first and second reads often weren't coming open um, against USC's coverage. Now, I don't think, and we've talked about this, like Arizona doesn't have like the world's greatest wide receivers, but uh, neither does Utah. So, <laughs> um, I mean, I do feel, I mean, I, I feel like USC has to feel like, uh, you know, that part, I mean, it, bringing that into this game, it is going to be tough uh, with Keithy and fathering him, you know, controlling them, you know, does USC, you know, do they feel like they have anybody, um, you know, from the, you know, to, to put somebody from the secondary on them uh, or, you know, can they trust a linebacker and coverage on them? 
Um, you know, I, I, I do think that there will be, um, they will be innovative or Utah will be innovative. Ludwig will be innovative in trying to get them the ball, man. I mean, but if I were, I mean, if, if I'm Ludwig and, uh, Whittingham coming into this game, like, gosh, I'd, I'd be really tempted to get cam rising some snaps because he's pretty mobile. And I, I mean, after watching Grant Gannell rumble and stumble and bumble for 40 yards and a bunch of first downs. Long strides. Uh, right. Well, I mean, but like it, part the other part that made the, you know, Grant Gannell's running worked was that because USC was in man, they often had their back to him. Right. So when he, when the pocket collapsed and he took off, you know, there was nobody looking back at the quarterback other than maybe some safeties. So I think for, I mean, for, Utah, if they find themselves in that situation, you know, I mean, I can't remember how mobile Bentley is, but if he's mobile enough, like that's something that could definitely keep some drives alive. But you may want to rotate in Rising, who is pretty mobile. And, you know, if he's able to, you know, he could actually really hurt, like in the way that Daniels kind of actually like Gunnell hurt USC, but Daniels, like that was Daniels had an awful, awful day throwing the football. If he didn't have what he could add on with his legs, he would have had an like just a nightmarish day versus the Trojans. Um, I think, and 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 that says something too. I mean, Daniels was off; he was not accurate getting the ball down the field. But USC's coverage was pretty good. I mean, if if you're Utah, why not? Why not? Wrote? I mean, I don't, I don't, I realize like when you say like you have more than one quarterback, you have no quarterbacks, but. You know, like if, if Bentley is not able to get that going, I might throw a rising in there just to, and, and tell him to take off if he doesn't have anything. Yeah, I'm I'm going to take the points. Uh, or I'm sorry, I'm going to I'm going to lay the points and take USC. And and here's why. I don't trust you, uh, Utah's offensive line yet. I think there's enough pieces on USC's front seven to cause trouble. Um, and, that, and, and the thing that does give me pause, Rob, is what you just said. It's, it's if, if that quarterback can run around a little bit, that might could make a difference. Um, and, and I'm going to keep an eye on whether those tight ends are going to be able to um, just rack up yards against USC secondary. But I do think that, like you mentioned, U, Utah doesn't have the horses at wide receiver that I think some of the other teams that they're going to be playing against uh, USC in the conference. And then on the flip side, uh, you know, they're replacing their entire secondary Utah is and and Slovis can throw the ball and they have the wide receivers to go up and catch him and I just think you I think this is more a pick against Utah not being fully prepared for this game than USC where, where they've been able to be able to kind of go through and try to fix some stuff so uh, I mean if, the, if Utah had played two games I think I'd probably take Utah at this point given what I've seen from USC but I'll pick USC and see what happens uh, Max what, what do you, what's your feel here? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's big advantage USC that they, that, that they have two games under their belt, but that's really what's baked into the line already. And, and that's why I think that, and that's the big reason why USC is a field goal favorite, despite the fact that they, they've looked really like they could easily be 0-2 right now versus 2-0. Um, for me, the fact, I was just like so alarmed that the fact that Arizona's defensive line was making life miserable for USC's offensive line. And yes, Utah does have to replace a lot, but this is still a defensive line factory. And I, I think that Utah's defensive line can absolutely take over this game and force Slovis into a lot of short, quick throws. And maybe the USC's wide receivers like Drake London, Amon Rossi Brown can break a couple big gains from quick passes against Utah's secondary. But I, yeah, I just I think that USC's offense they'll get their fair share of points, but I think that they will have 
just like what, what Rob was saying with um, turning drives into points, especially with all the negative plays, whether it's holding or uh, tackles for loss. I just think that that's going to be a big issue in this game. And USC, like they, they typically struggle in, in Salt Lake City. And I, I, Utah, big coaching advantage. I will absolutely be looking um, if USC is up by like a touchdown or so at half, I will absolutely be looking to take Utah in the second half. Oh, all right. All right. What, what about the original game line here? Oh, yeah. No, I'm taking I'm taking Utah. Oh, and, and Rob, to Max's point, Utah's defensive line, they're replacing some guys up the middle. The edges are fine. Like they, they, they got the yeah. people to be able to, to roll on the edges, whether or not the guys up the middle can uh, kind of take space and be able to uh, to take some of the attention off of those uh, those guys on the outside. Uh, wh- what are you going to do here? Man, uh, this game is so. I, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take, oh, I'm gonna take Utah, and I just, I think that, um, I think USC has walked close enough to the line, um, and I think Utah, in in particular, with the struggles that USC's offensive line has had, um, Utah is a green dog team, and I do think that 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 late blitzer, if the back is like, because USC's backs sometimes chip block and then go out on a on a route. If that blitzer comes in, you know, while that back is chipping someone else, like Slovis could take some shots in this game. Um, and I, I, I just, I, I like, I like Utah to, to pull out, pull this out. They'll probably, I could see them finishing, you know, plus one on turnovers and, and uh, get in the game. Okay. Let's move over to Corvallis where Cal is a three and a half point favorite on the road against Oregon state. And my goodness, um, where to start? I, <laughs> Let, let's start let's start with the Cal game uh, Cal against UCLA uh, Cal ends up dropping that game uh, 34 to 10 and I'm curious what you guys think here let's start with you Max I really thought that Cal got put in a weird spot right they hadn't been able to practice for like two weeks or whatever um, you know and, and it showed I thought both of the lines looked awful like Chase Garbers was off. And if you're a Cal fan, I think there's a couple things to, to, to keep in mind is I don't think Garbers is ever going to be that bad again in a game um, because he was awful. I mean, UCLA held Christopher Brown to under 30 yards on the ground. That's alarming. I mean, you got to think that the offensive and def- like defensive lines kind of put it together. But I thought the main story there was the line play for Cal. It just wasn't there. Um, and if you combine that with Garbers being just off um, I would assume due to rest, just based on his previous ability to throw the ball around the field. I mean, I think there are some pieces you can pick up, but boy, my, they, I mean, with all that said, they got their head handed to them by UCLA max. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like UCLA is not terrible this year. Like I, I know that yes, they lost to Colorado at Colorado. I just think that if UCLA didn't give Colorado the ball inside the 10, I think like what, what was it like three times or so that that's a totally different game. And I don't like I, I yeah I mean this this UCLA Oregon game is tough to is tough too but we can talk about that later um, Cal I mean the no practice um, new offensive coordinator uh, a lot of uh, new faces on the defensive staff as well um, some big losses on their defense with Evan Weaver and some of the guys in the secondary uh, yeah I mean it it, it it looked like that they they did and especially like. Um, not knowing who they were going to play. Um, yeah, no, I mean, they, they looked like out of sorts. And I actually, like, this was probably the worst Pac-12 performance I have seen so far. But I think that this is a nice buy-low spot for Cal. Yeah, Oregon State, not a good team. 
Uh, we'll get to them in a second. Just a few more things on Cal here, Rob. Chase Garbers, 18 for 33. That was 54.5% completion rate, zero touchdowns, one interception. Christopher Brown, 8 for 25. No receiver, no, not one uh, on that team caught for more than 30 yards on the game. It was bad tackling. I mean, it just... Like Cal, Cal's going to clean this stuff up over time. I guess the question, though, Rob, is how, how much? You know, how much? You only have one more week. Oh man, I mean, like there was stuff at the game where I was. I mean, you, you guys watched it, I'm sure. I mean, Garber's footwork was awful. I mean, his footwork was awful, and he was he was short hopping. He short hopped yeah. a couple of balls um, out there, you know, and it was. Uh, the lines, I mean, and like, let's, yeah, UCLA looks better. I mean, like everybody at the bottom of the Pac-12 South looks a little better than expected. So that's a nice surprise. But UCLA still not good. I mean, Colorado ran all over, them, you know? And yeah, I mean, the, I do want to like, sure, you know, the, um, yeah, I mean, but Colorado has Sam Neuer as their, I mean, Sam freaking Neuer, who was playing safety last year. I mean, the, you know, the cat, but Cal, like they looked, they looked worse than I would have expected, even that they didn't know that. I mean, UCLA didn't know their opponent either, but they didn't know their opponent and they hadn't had a chance to really on, on their offensive or defensive line, really practice effectively in the last two weeks because there's no one to go against, right? Because their entire D line was out. That said, they let, they let UCLA look, look like they were fast and more talented yeah, like we had a lot of questions coming in about some of the changes that they were making coming into this season. Um, and they just like, they looked like it, it may be that they just didn't have enough practice in Musgrave's system. You know, they, they certainly have an opportunity, but I mean, it, from that performance that we saw, like there's always going to be, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm interested to see where, you know, Arizona and Washington are when they meet this week, right? Because teams often make big improvements between week one and week two. Um I'm interested to see if Cal, like how, I mean, Cal has to make a huge improvement. Uh, and, and I mean, like their secondary wasn't as good, you know, with Gerald Alexander gone. I mean, there's just a lot, like every phase of the game, Cal stunk. Let's put it that way. Like really bad to the point of like the, that. I'm sure unless you're an at like an absolute Cal Homer, like you have to have concerns. Um, about what you saw out there, even with all of the, you know, asterisks that you put by the game. Yeah, I just feel bad for Cal, right? Because I think this was a team that could be competitive this year. It was one of, like them and, and ASU were the two teams I was most interested in seeing outside, of course, like Oregon and Washington, uh, just because I thought that they, they could, there was a chance where they could pop up and punch above their weight. I mean, we all thought that probably wasn't going to be the case with Cal, but there was still that like idea of maybe they could. And then just to be out for, for such a long period of time and then to, to go through all this and then not, you know, your, I mean, it just, it all sucks. It all sucks. But yeah, all that said, they looked awful and, uh, and looks like, and some of it, I don't think is just, whether you know it's just the, the the time off although i think that was the biggest issue on the lines but like i mean i just i just don't see the size up on the defensive line it'll be interesting to see if those linebackers could actually stop the run they had um you know ucla had more than 170 yards on the ground um and, and it was it was all over the place it was up the middle it was you know on the sides like they just were able to kind of do everything that they wanted in this game um and it were in handily in control so um, it is what it is. Let, let's move over to Oregon State here, which, Max, this was uh, a Pac-12 after dark game to its core. Yeah, I mean, that that, that <laughs> blocked punt return or whatever you want to call it 
Um, that that really set the tone. Uh, and then the two teams like scoring over forty points in, in the first half, and then all combining for three in the second half. Like it was. It was everything we wanted and more from this game. <laughs> Oregon State 21, Washington 27. Rob, if, if you're Oregon State, like I want to give them tremendous props because in the beginning of that game, Washington was able to rush for as many yards as it wanted, basically. I mean, they just yes. torched them on the ground over and over. And I thought, I mean, like obviously that, that fluke um, – <laughs> The, probably the worst snap I've seen in the last five years when it comes to uh, the long snapper. I mean, that was just awful. And then just like the clown show that happened afterwards. I mean, let, let's put that aside. After that, I thought Washington got its act together and started rolling on the ground. Um, and and I thought the game was going to get out of hand. And I actually, I because I, I'm an idiot, I took Washington 13 and a half. And I was watching that game as it progressed, because I thought, I thought Washington had that like, ah, whatever, like turnover, seven points that they'll be able to take care of it. Look how much they're running and Oregon state got their act together. They really adjusted and were able to keep that run uh, under control and really force Morris to throw the ball. And, and if I'm a Washington fan, we'll get to them a little bit later, but man, like he didn't show me anything uh, in, in the sense that they, that Washington's going to be able to move the ball vertically because it's not like, I don't, I don't think Oregon state secondary is all that good, but they, they were able to put together a good enough game to keep this competitive. What were your takeaways for the Beavers, Rob? I mean, like your, your takeaway, like your top takeaway of this game was like two quarterbacks had bad games. One of them got to go against Oregon state secondary and one of them had to go (laughs) against Washington's right. (laughs) Like like if you're going to grant, like, Jebbia did not have a great game. That's totally understandable, right? Like you have Oregon State's wide receivers and you're going against Washington secondary. Dylan Morris did not have a great game. He got to go against the Beavs, right? With a bunch of four stars. It's really true of both teams. Uh, they both had very strong first halves running the football um, and then tightened up in the in the second half. I mean, even Washington, um, they had tremendous success running in C and D gap outside. Um, and they're, they, you know, really like some of the highlight blocks in that game were actually coming from their their tight ends who uh, were, were used in interesting ways uh, in Donovan's offense. But they, you know, if you're going to flip it, like if you want to say like something to watch out for, is if you just go down there, like they were mostly running McGrew and Pleasant, you know, like they got a lot of their carries, particularly McGrew on the, to the outside in that first half, really getting a lot of run. Um, Newton was left with a lot of the inside banging, you know, banging carries because he's their bigger back. I mean, he, they didn't get the same kind of push up the middle. No, 15 um, for 41. As they were from, to, yeah. yeah. I mean, as they were to the outside, that's a little bit of a concern because they were replacing some players on the offensive line um, coming into this season. Uh, you know, like they're going to have to to clean that up because like from what you saw from this Washington offense, what really worked was one thing, which was running outside. A good defense can take that away. Um, and Oregon State tightened up enough in the second half to, to force Morris to throw. And as you pointed out, they really struggled with that. If you're Oregon State, I mean, they did run the ball better in the first half. Jefferson had a pretty good game. Their offensive line had a decent game, you know, here too. I don't think we should take away from the beat. Like, you know, the Bees had a tough outing against... Washington state in particular, I thought there were some signs of life here. Right. And I mean, they got jobs by the PAC 12 crew that, that officiating spot, like they, oh my <laughs> God. That, that, yeah. those are two of the worst spots I've ever seen. Um, 
you know, I don't know that Oregon State, you know, really deserved to win the game, right? Like, I mean, they had that weird special teams turnover, you know, touchdown. But that said, like they, you know, they certainly had, you know, drove down the length of the field um, and were able to put together, you know, uh, they didn't put together a lot of yards per play, but they put together some really impressive long drives, even though they weren't able to turn them all into points. So my, I mean, the takeaways, uh, I, but I would flip it and say like the takeaway for Washington is like some of the concern that we had with on you know, out was, is, is valid. Like Oregon state was able to bang the ball up the middle uh, in that second half um, and put together some long drives, just getting consistent yards for play. Um, that that would be a concern for me if I'm Washington because they look they look soft in the middle of that defense. Yeah, I think one of the things that we had highlighted was the inside linebackers, and they actually one of them got uh, questioned about that and was just talking about him being out of position and just wasn't able to read the ball. I mean, like it's just like oh my gosh. Yeah. And look, first game, so it's it's still the first game, but I thought this game was much more about Washington's inability to do a lot of things that we were hoping that they'd be able to do if they were going to challenge for the conference mask. I mean, Max, I, I think there's a lot of different ways we can go. Let's just cover Washington here. What did you think about them? Yeah. I mean, I, this was, this was a game where I mean, first, first game under Jimmy, Lake, like you would think that at Washington would want to make a statement, especially against a team that we thought would be in the basement or close to the basement uh, in, in the PAC 12. And yeah, I mean, I mean, Jamar Jefferson uh, looks good against the Washington defense um and i i mean i i have more faith in, and i mean to washington state's credit i mean that they shut out oregon state in the second half but actually oregon state had a couple games last year where they looked unstoppable for one half and, and then didn't score in the other half like a little little bizarre jekyll and hyde there um the offense it, it's just i don't know like they have they have so many um pieces and and highly rated uh players but I don't know, a little, a little disjointed, and definitely disappointed that, that they were only to uh, put up three second half points against the Beavers, and that Oregon State had a shot to win it um, at the end of the game. Uh, for me, like I, I'm coming away from this game more concerned about Washington, though I, I do give the Beavers credit, but I feel like I'm going to have to enact the rule this year: only bet on double-digit Pac-12 underdogs unless they're playing Oregon. <laughs> yeah, that that's probably the key there. I think a couple things for me, if you're a Washington fan, and and, and a little bit of a throat clearing here. The first is the secondary looked great, and and we already knew that coming into that. So I mean, but it is nice, right? Like you yeah, had the week off and and hadn't practiced, like the first game, all that stuff. Um, I should they, they practice? I'm kind of mixing it with Cal, but you know what I mean. Like they weren't able to play that first game, get those kinks out. So the, the secondary looked great. Um, a lot of young talent on the field which is which is also important so you know giving them a little bit of leeway here but my goodness the wide receivers i mean they dropped five passes they they cost single-handedly they cost washington 10 points um which was very frustrating and 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 <laughs> we kind of like got on washington's case for not starting the younger younger guys last year earlier and you know we'll, we'll see if this this continues, but it just seemed like nobody wanted to catch the ball, and then uh, and that Morris wasn't able to really throw the ball. Almost everything he did was underneath. I mean, there's there's really just a lot of dinking and dunking going on. He was 14 to 24, 141 yards, no touchdowns. Although he didn't throw a pick. The other thing, Rob, and I know this is something that that it rings true. It's going to ring your bell right here. But I thought John Donovan was like Ted Cruz conservative on the play calling. Like it was. Um, <laughs> it was it was something else um 
and I, I think I think two things stood out for me. There was two like almost ten play drives. I might be exaggerating by one or two, but like ten play drives that ate up like seven minutes you know of clock each and got zero points and i think every time that washington needed to do something um whether it was score a touchdown or get that first down i mean it was just run up the middle run up the middle um you know like there there was that one um almost goal line stand with oregon state um where they ran the ball up the middle three times like he was david shot and i'm like if he doesn't do a play action or or, or like or at least do a toss to the outside like i'm gonna light my couch on fire <laughs> and he and he ran it up the middle again yeah. i mean it was really really bad and then you have jimmy like coming out with a hat that, that says like you know run the damn ball like leaning into this offense that didn't work against a really bad defense in oregon state yeah i mean uh, some of that may have been trolling on on lake's part but even so like his later comments in that interview would not give me much confidence because those comments were not trolling. They were real. Um, and I, I think there's some real concern, you know, here, uh, and there should be among Washington fans about this offense because, you know, they, if, if Washington is not able to, to run the ball as well as they did outside, like let's say, you know, Oregon state's, you know, Emlos or their, you know, their, um, you know, their, their linebacker who's, you know, uh, you know, sealing the edge, is able to actually, you know, get off a block more often and tackle McGrew, Washington loses this game. That's the only thing offensively they did really well. Uh, and that that uh, is a concern because you can't be a one-trick pony. And, you know, when Oregon State did put them in passing situations, Morris either was tentative uh, and was, you know, not able to, to, to process and get the ball out and make his, you know, make the right decision, or his wide receivers just weren't getting open. You know, like, because Oregon State had him holding the ball a little too long and got some pressure on him, you know, at times. Uh, and I just, I, I, I think that there are real questions about some of, you know, what they were doing from a, you know, pat, you know, the design of their passing game and scheme um, coming into this game. And I don't, I don't want to hear it about the rain. People, you know, teams <laughs> throw the ball in the freaking rain all the time. It is 2020. Like, take it somewhere else with that, right? Like, um, you know, like the, 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 the fact that they came out really and really Oregon state should be an opera. Oregon state should not be an opportunity for you to grind out a win. Like, I'm sorry. Like you're Washington. You should be embarrassed to like grind out a win against Oregon state. Like, it's, it's the opener. I mean, that's the one thing, right? It is an opener. Yeah, and- I mean, come on, like get it out. Like, I mean, get out the kinks. Like, let's see what this offense is, right? Like you are like the games are only going to get tougher after this one yeah there just wasn't a lot of prom like let, let's say they go up against a, a a better defense right um i still don't think morris is going to blow the top off the defense um there's going to be stouter run run defenses ag- against washington it's and it's all right this is all in in context of like we want washington to compete for the pac-12 north like i want washington to be an elite team and one of the things that we ran into going into the season was are they going to be able to do that um we weren't we weren't sold on the offensive uh, coordinator hire and um and there were some interesting holes in the roster um, could they put it together? And and this game didn't show me anything that that makes me optimistic. But it is the first game, so there is a, there is totally a scenario yeah. if you're a Washington fan, like you know, when, like I, our friend Dan Rubenstein on uh, Solid Verbal, like win your clunkers. They they won, um, 
and uh, and I kind of I mean I, I just assumed that they were going to win. I know that there were some some times where Oregon State was close, and um, but I just kind of you know like they had the horses, Washington did, and and they took advantage of them. And if you're Donovan, you want to defend Donovan, you know like why shouldn't we run? We've been able to run. We have the better offensive line, and and we have some good backs. So that's what we did. But whoa boy, like you did a little bit too much and made it closer than it should have been. I, is that fair, Max? Yeah, no, no, I I agree with that. Um, I mean, I, that's what I said earlier. So. Um, and, and now they're a double digit favorite again. And I mean, kind of this is granted. I mean, Arizona state's definitely a different caliber of opponent than Oregon state, but kind of reminds me of the USC game where at least I was thinking that the Arizona game would be a perfect bounce back spot. And for Washington, this feels like that this is a redemption spot, even though they came out with the close win, but it might just be that Washington struggles might be too much, uh, for them to overcome, to, to, blow out a team like Arizona. Well, let's go to this Cal Oregon state game first here. Cal three and a half point favorite on the road at Corvallis. You know, these games are just so hard to cap, right? Because like, again, Cal looked awful, but Cal hadn't gotten their act together because of COVID. And, you know, like I, I don't put that on the coaching staff or the players. It just was what it was. I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised they played the game. And then once it started, I'm like, ah, I kind of wish this game didn't be, wasn't played because uh, I just I wanted Cal at their best uh, playing UCLA. And, and we just didn't get that because of the circumstances. So, Max, like, how do you what do you even do uh, in this game? Like, is it worth? making an investment on, on one side or the other. I mean, like, I'm going to ask you to pick anyway, but like, would you touch this with a 10 foot pole if, if, uh, if it was real money? Uh, for me, this is cow or bust, but I don't like, I would, I would probably, I'd, I'd look to bet this live. I, I, I don't like with, with a lot of these games, like I'm not betting these games pregame just because, and especially like even before like the day of, just because you never know what news is going to break. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to, to do it anything but live at this point. I, I feel Rob, what, what do your numbers have here on this? This is Cal at 34, Oregon state at 64. Of course, most of this for both teams is still preseason weight. You know, Cal on the road has a 65% win probability. They are roughly a 3.88 favorite. Um, so almost four points uh, there. It is, uh, Cal's offense comes in at 43. Oregon State's defense right now is 79. But a lot of the Beavers' metrics are, are are worse than that in the you know the unweighted data right now. Um, too many big plays, some bad play efficiency, not enough three and outs. And of course, Cal's offensive numbers are hideous. So <laughs> I'm not even. I don't even want to go into those really. Um, they're not worth diving into too much. Um, Oregon State's offense is sitting at 62, and I think that's pretty fair given some of their efficiency numbers. Their drive efficiency number, like in particular, as we talked about them being able to put down Taylor long drives, is at 37. That's really their best metric. I don't know. It's just it seems like a real tough. Uh, this seems like a tough one to grade, right? Like UCLA didn't even have to pull out all the. I mean, UCLA's offense was like pure vanilla against Cal, and it worked. I don't know. This is this is a horrible game to have to figure out. I want to take Oregon State. The thing that gives me pause is is Jebbia, right? It's good because I I think you'll be I think they'll be able to run the ball on Cal. Um, I think Cal will be able to run the ball to an extent on Oregon State, but I think that front seven might might give Christopher Brown. I mean, they're gonna they're not gonna let him blow up for 150 yards. Um, I don't think Cal is. I don't think Cal can stretch the field. So I mean, like I don't, I don't think Oregon State's secondary is all that good, but I don't I, like. I know Garbers is will be better, but I like watching those wide receivers. Like nobody got open down down the field. Um, so I, I think Oregon State can kind of play to that and and be able to limit them to some extent. 
I so so my biggest hiccup is like can Jebbia move the ball through the air and I just <laughs> I don't think he can. For betting, like my, one of my favorite betting weeks of the year is always week two of the season, just because you have the big week one. It's it's the biggest overreaction week, and granted, it, it is week twelve technically of the college football season. But as Rob said before, like you're a lot of the time you're going to see like sizable improvements from game one to game two. And Cal is going to have to make a lot of sizable improvements to make this game or to win this game. But I just think I I just think that this is a a classic overreaction spot. And like we were all pretty down on Cal, but I was never so down on Cal that they're barely above a field goal in Corvallis. So I'm going to go with the Golden Bears here. Yeah, I, I, Max has talked me into this, Rob. I, I the other thing too is like we said that Oregon State stunk, <laughs> like we and we've been saying that Oregon State stinks. Um, I just think they ran into some the most conservative play calling that I've seen uh, in a while, and uh, I'll take Cal. Uh, I I don't like this game at all, <laughs> but I'll take I'm, the. Bears. I'm going to be the contrarian. I'm going to take the Beavs, and it's because I think Jim Halchek has done a pretty good job with the Beavs offensive line again. And I think Jamar Jefferson's going to have almost 200 yards on the ground. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, Cal can't stop the ball up the middle. I totally agree. I think he's going to have another field day and BJ Baylor will be right behind him uh, to pick up some of those scraps. Also. I just think that Cal will be able to score the ball also. And, um, We'll find out. We'll find out here. Okay. All right. Let's move. We, we already talked about Washington. So let's get into this Washington, Arizona game here and let's do it right after this. All right. We're back. Arizona is an 11 and a half point dog. On the road in Seattle at Washington, I love me the I love me the cats on this one. I, I think like there's a couple things, and we talked a little bit about the Arizona US, USC game, but really more on on USC. I think a couple things stood out for me for Arizona. The first is, and Rob, I'm sure you've seen this because we watched a lot of Arizona football. Was a lot of the plays that happened in that game against the Trojans. Um, last year would have blown up for 25, 45-yard gains. Just the tackling was bad. You had players out of position. I thought the tackling was, I mean, look, it wasn't great, right? What what are expectations, right? Um, But the bar was so low. I was really encouraged by how Arizona was able to get in front and hold on to to defenders. And I think that's a testament to, at least in this last game, it might not carry over into Washington, but uh, that first game, I think it's a testament to some of the the coaching uh, that, that Kevin Sumlin was able to bring in again, not the young recruiting guys, the old hand, like they might not go on the road and recruit or be on Snapchat, but at least they can coach a, a unit. And it, that seemed to have paid <laughs> off. Yeah. Actually, actually hiring professional coaches across your, your defense actually paid off. Yes. That it's amazing. It's amazing to see this Arizona defense be like utter, utterly power five mediocre for a change. Like, it was, <laughs> um, and I think, you know, th- I'm interested to see this because I think I think Arizona has a better defensive line maybe right now, and this will be a good test of it, uh, again, than Oregon State does, um, you know, with Blackwell uh, and, and Lopez um, and Bars, you know, and it's a rotating cast of characters behind them. Um, I think, you know, Arizona's defense, while they, they – and they certainly, they, you know – Slovis didn't have the world's easiest game. He definitely, they were able to even get some pressure on him at points. I mean, I, it's hard to say, I mean, it's one game. So I don't want like, I mean, I don't want to overcommit to like what I think Arizona could do and undercommit to what I think Washington could do. Right. Because Washington still 
with both of these teams in beta rank right now, like Washington's a massive favorite with only one game's worth of weight in. So I mean, Washington right now is a 22 point favorite in beta rank. Ooh, buddy. Um, but that's, but that part of that is because is, you know, Arizona projected so badly and Washington projected to be so good for Arizona on, on, you know, the offensive or on the defensive side of the ball. I think that they, I, I think that they could, I don't think it's going to be, it might be a replay of what they had against Oregon state in a lot of ways. Right. Um, and in particular, if they are able to, you know, slow down some of that rushing attack and force Morris and the wide receivers to step up. I'm not saying that they can't, but they certainly didn't show us that in the first game. Um, and they certainly didn't show us much in the way of play design either. So maybe they were holding it all back to let it out against the wildcats <laughs> as, as one does in back to well. Um, but you know, like Arizona, Arizona's numbers are you know on, on defense are you know they're, they're at seventy four. Washington's offense comes in at forty nine. Um, you know, it's a real struggle. I mean, their offense like they struggle with explosive drives. They're better at drive efficiency. You know, their numbers there for Arizona. You know, decent play efficiency number. I mean, they, they but you know they if they could end up you know you know and. You know, they really did struggle against the run against USC, I think. And some of that was, I think, that you know, they were set up, you know, to, to, you know, to face more of an air raid type setup. Like if Washington comes in with two tight ends, Arizona's going to have a much heavier set on the field than they did against USC, too. I mean, I'm just I'm interested to see this game. You know, I don't know. Like, what do you think about, you know, the other side of the ball, though? Like, you know, that that seems like the really interesting matchup to me. Um, is Gannell in this offense against what is an excellent secondary? Yeah, Gannell, 24 of 36, 66% uh, with three touchdowns and an early interception, one that he bounced back from, um, plus the 40 yards on the ground. Look, Washington's secondary is excellent. And Arizona struck me kind of like Cal did, where I didn't see any player on that field that was going to be able to stretch the field against the Trojan secondary, much less the... um, much less the the Husky secondary. I mean, like like you mentioned, Rob, you could see, you know, like it, it almost brought a tear to my eye, but you could see Gannell going through his progression, something that Khalil Tate did not do for no. four years at Arizona. Um, so he would get to that third, you know, player, uh, which is why you saw Tavian Cunningham have 100 yards and Stanley Berryhill, I think he had 60 yards. I have to go back and look at his stats. But that's the reason, right? You didn't see the, you didn't see Booby Curry haul in, you know, 100 yards with a passing because he wasn't open. Um, I think that's going to happen again. So really the question is, can Gannell get enough underneath and can Arizona rush the ball against Washington? I think Brightwell had a decent game, uh, 21 for 112 yards. And a couple of those he was able to break open. But you're right, there was there was some stalling in that that rushing attack, um, which gives me some pause. But Max, you know, as a as a uh, unaffiliated observer, what do you think about Arizona's offense against Washington's defense here? Um, I don't, I, 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 I mean, Washington's secondary is, is just so good. I, I think Arizona, I mean, they have an unheralded group of skill position players, but I, I was impressed with how uh, they, they looked against USC. Um, I don't like for me, the question is, I mean, cause this is already such a big line. Like, do I think that Arizona can score like 17 points? Cause I don't really see Washington, uh, getting into the thirties, uh, in this one. And I, I don't like, I, I think that air and especially with Washington's um, 
potential struggles on the defensive line. Like I think Arizona can can get two touchdowns in this game, no problem. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Um, go ahead, Rob. What are you gonna say? I mean, like, another point is that uh, two of Arizona's better wide receivers, Castile and Dixon, were both out. Um, and you're not, I mean, like with Washington's too high safety setup, like you're not, you, you, it's almost impossible to take the top off Washington's defense, right? Like you, you're, you're not going to see their safeties on the screen, you know, at snap. Um, I think that what's the, what's going to turn this game for Arizona or not is whether they can run the football and they may have to run it up the middle. Um, I mean, Brightwell's a big dude. Uh, you know, like even bigger than Jamar Jefferson or, ba- you know, uh, Baker for Oregon State. I, I think that they, I mean, I'm with Max. Like, I, I think this game is closer than Beta Rank has it by a lot. I think it might be closer than the line, too. And a sneaky point here that is um, not baked into, you know, uh, fully baked into the numbers yet at all is that, like Arizona special teams were a lot better. Yeah. In particular, the punting. Um, and that was just a, gaping liability for them the past like four years um you know and I, so that that on it like i not that on its own but i mean like i mean there is fully possible Gunnell goes out and has a horrendous game against an incredible washington secondary and turns the ball over washington just blows this open with short field position uh and it's over right um but I, you know, I do think that Rhodes is a, in a, an experienced enough hand. And if you look at the defensive staff they have, like they're going to have a plan to try to take away that outside rush for Washington, right? They're going to try to make them earn it up the middle, try to put them into passing situations where they have to throw the ball, um, you know, and then it's, it is going to be, and I thought Arizona's secondary did a pretty good job with what is the best wide receiver group in the Pac-12 last week. I mean, not great, but pretty good. Um you know, I, I think they have a, I think they have a decent shot at the, like Max said to hold Washington under thirty. Okay, looking at the under here, maybe looking at the under. I'm going to take the points. Uh, Eleven and a half, I think, is too much. Um, and uh, and we'll see. I mean, and and there's a world where, like you just mentioned, Rob, where Jimmy Lake, you know, shores up the defense. They're able to bottle up Arizona's run, and the secondary is already awesome. And Gannell can't throw uh, the ball, and Arizona maybe doesn't put up fourteen points, and. Um, and, the, and they're just able to run all over Arizona and, and win the game. I don't think that's going to happen. I'll take the points. It sounds like you're doing the same, Rob. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Wildcats here. All right. How about you, Max? Points. All right. Let's go to our next game, Washington State. Good Lord, Washington. Just, just good, like, Washington State, man. Like, of all the teams that really haven't been able, uh, that, we, that we didn't think was uh, we're going to step up this year, Washington State has just looked quite impressive. Um they're a, a two-point dog on the road at Stanford. And let's talk about Washington State's game first here, Rob. Uh, let's go with you, Max. What, like, right, three turnovers. They came out fired up and ready to go, were able to take advantage of some, of some points, and they just clearly didn't have the horses, which, which uh, against, I would assume, is the elite team in the, in the Pac-12. Um, but I, I still thought this was a pretty feisty uh, showing by, by the Kooks. Yeah, and I don't know, like even even going from Leach to Rolovich, it just always seems like that Oregon struggles with Washington State somewhat. And I know that Washington State, like they were um, a favorite in live betting. Um, at least it, I think when they went up nineteen to seven, that that was the case. Um, but then in the second half, just I mean, Oregon just flexed its muscle, and that I mean, I, I think that Oregon also like had a much better second half 
against Stanford than they did first half. And I guess that that's just where Oregon's coaching advantage with Moorhead, Avalos, and Cristobal, I mean, really comes into effect. I mean, with Moorhead, the, the offense, the, it's it's just it's a fun offense to watch. And I know that Tyler Shuck, I mean, he he's he, he's inexperienced under center, and, and so he's going to make some mistakes. But I feel like with Moorhead calling the plays, that he is going to put his players in, in much better positions to succeed than Arroyo. So, yeah. But, I mean, but Washington, but, I mean, with Washington State, their offense, I mean, Delora looks like the real deal. Um, Mac, Borgie has even played yet and McIntosh has looked uh, good for two straight games I just yeah the uh, Washington State defense I, I still think could be a big mess even though I do like their defensive coordinator one thing to, to keep in mind is we have another podcast coming out where some of our scheme guys break down uh, Jaden Delora and Washington State and what they've done so far. For, so stay tuned to that because Dion McIntosh was somebody that they talked about as being really the beneficiary of this offense because he was kind of a non-factor last year. And obviously it's because Borgie was there um, and obviously you're in the air raid. But um, if you were to have told me that McIntosh was averaging about 110 yards in his first two games against Stanford and Oregon, <laughs> I would have laughed at you. And lo and behold, here he is. Uh, and then going to Jaden Delora here, 25 for 39, 64%, 321 yards, two touchdowns. Um, it was interesting because this struck me a little bit similar to the Stanford-Oregon game, where Washington State in the beginning of that game was able to run the ball. And um, and I just thought that was interesting because that front seven for Oregon is, is supposed to be so good. And I think they are really good. I, I, we just mentioned Justin Flo is out. be interesting to see uh, how they make up for that. But um, with that said, I thought Oregon over time was able to really shore up the run because the first half I'm like, oh, crap, dude, like McIntosh might have 150 yards and ends up with 92. And against Stanford, uh, I was looking at those running backs going like they might they might drop a 200, like a 200 yard game. And they got to like 150 or something. I have to go back and look, but it was significantly lower than the first half had. Um, with that said, Rob, the, the offense like Delora can get that ball out. They have some interesting wide receivers. I really like Travell Harris. Last year or last week, we talked about him being really good, uh, but most of the stuff he had was behind the line or you know like little dink and dunk passes. I thought he showed a better skill set here. Um, almost got to 100 yards again, and then of course Rashad Bell ended up blowing up. Lot lot to really like here. I'm curious what, how they match up against Stanford. What do you think? Yeah, so this is a game that uh, you know Beta Rank actually likes Washington State in because partly because there is so much you know in season you know preseason weight still there. So yeah, Washington State comes in at 42. Stanford comes in at 58. Stanford's actually been falling um, in the model. Washington State's been kind of holding steady. Washington State's got a 52% win probability, just an ever so. I mean, like less than a point favorite against Stanford on the road. This one though. I mean, I, I do want to call out, like, I think Nick Rolovich does some really smart things. Um, and, like, Delora doesn't have the world's best footwork, but he would, they, they took some whole shots against Oregon in that game. Yeah, buddy. Um, some shots were, I mean, some shots were like the, you know, like I say a whole shot, if you're not familiar, a whole shot you take against like a two deep zone. Um, and it's, you know, if you have man, it's before the safety can get over. Oregon wasn't actually in man. Um, it looked like that their corner was playing wall and then released, um, you know, the wide receiver to the safety, but the safety wasn't over yet. And Rolovich must have seen something in the tape because they took a couple of those and got him out there to the, I mean, it's a long throw. Got him out there to the sideline before the safety was able to get over there. Oregon eventually adjusted to that, but knowing that was going to be there off the tape um, from the way, you know, Oregon was was playing, I thought was really smart. I thought, you know, they made some, you know, smart plays and adjustments 
uh, for the most part. I mean, Oregon was able to really, you know, put, you know, step on the gas and, you know, is a far, far more talented team than Washington State. But yeah, there's there's a lot to really like. I mean, there really is a lot to really like about Rolovich's offense in the first year, which I, I wasn't always sure we were going to say. But the offense comes in at, at 31 for, for Washington State. Um, they've been pretty efficient on their drive efficiency. They're at number 18 there. They're a little less explosive at 47. Um, and they have too many three and outs at number 87 right there in negative drives. Stanford comes in at 62 on defense. Their drive efficiency number isn't great at 78. Their explosive drives number is really bad at 114. You know, they they have some work to really do. Their pass defense in particular hasn't been great thus far this season. You know, that's that's exactly where you want to be, of course, before you face the, even this version of the Cougs. You know, Stanford's defense comes in at 39. Washington State's defense comes in at 76. Um, what Stanford's done pretty well is their drive efficiency number at 61. They also have avoided three and outs at number 25, but explosive drives, they're only at 85. So Washington State, their drive efficiency has, is, hasn't been great. They're at 91 there. They've been pretty good against explosive drives, number 46. Um, and they've been reasonably good at, with negative drives at number 61 um, there. You know, Stanford, the, the tough thing is, though, is I mean, they're, they haven't been very explosive at number 85. Um, they've been a little better with negative drives at number 25. Uh, but the big thing, again, is as we saw, you know, this last week at Colorado, is I mean, Stanford just can't run the football. You know, like it, it, it appeared to be a little bit of a mirage what they were able to put together against the Ducks. Let's let's get into this game here because um, they face Stanford. And I think it's important to highlight that Colorado beat Stanford. Colorado beat Stanford. Okay, all right. I, I heard you, Colorado fans. I, I, look, for like if, if this season stopped tomorrow – like if you're a Colorado fan, like I think there's a lot of really interesting things that have happened that you should be excited about. Um, I, Stanford isn't a bad team; they're probably not a good team. Um, but this was a game that this was kind of like really the litmus test for Colorado because I I don't think we're still all that bullish on UCLA and Colorado was able to put together a game and really handle Stanford. Max, I, I don't know if you watched the game. What did you What did you think about how uh, Colorado is able to move the ball, how they were able to play defense, and, and just what they brought to the table um, against, a, you know, like a an interesting Stanford team. Oh, I, I was watching the game because um, I, I bet Stanford second. <laughs> 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 and I, I, I honestly, I, I mean, I, I bet, I bet some of it live when, when Stanford was down even further, but not enough to um, make up for the fact that I lost a decent amount of Stanford. Um, I mean, my thinking was for that game, or at least for the second half bet. I mean, Stanford was moving the ball. They were just settling for a lot of field goals versus touchdowns, and I thought that that would flip. And admittedly, it did, but it was far too late because I mean, Colorado, man, they they were they were moving the ball through the air, no problem on this Stanford defense. I mean, there was there was one touchdown where it was a complete blown coverage, and there was no one near, um, like no one within like ten yards of the Colorado wide receiver who caught it. Um, yeah, I mean Stanford. Stanford looks like a mess, and and it's uh, Davis Mills. Like you could t- like, um, I mean it, it was his first game of the season, and I, I thought he looked pretty whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, Stanford still can't they can't run the ball, which uh, and, and putting Mills in like these often like third and medium, third and long situations isn't ideal. Uh, at least Jet Toner made all three field goals this time. <laughs> so, you know, something something positive there. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, Stanford, big yikes. 
0-2, this is a massive game for them. I mean, if they want to salvage any part of their season and not go like full Penn State, they can't go to 0-3 here, especially uh, when they're favored at home. Yeah, honestly, uh, as good as Washington State has looked, just the, the better in me is telling me that this is a buy-low spot for Stanford, and I'm going to take card- the Cardinal and lay the two. Oh, that's interesting. Now, like, just to give Stanford some props, or, I'm sorry, Colorado some props here, I thought one of the things, I watched this whole game, I had money on uh, Stanford, I put my money where my mouth was on this one, and I was wrong. Um, Colorado stayed in this game. Every time Stanford scored, Colorado had an answer. And I think that's coaching. I mean, it's obviously the players too, but just a testament to that coaching staff for keeping that team in this game and making sure that they kept staying ahead and had that edge. I thought was really, really impressive. I thought the secondary played fairly well, all things considered, right? Mills looked like he was a human. Um, you know, I thought Simi Fajoko would have a huge game. I think he had 70 yards. Connor Weddington got his. And I mean, but like all things considered, I thought Colorado's secondary was going to get lit up like a Christmas tree, and that didn't happen. And the run defense, holy Moses, taking a look at Stanford's rushing, like like you mentioned, Max. Um, Nathaniel Pete, 21 yards. Austin Jones, nine carries, nine yards. That front seven from Colorado uh, really really brought the noise this time. I, I think just that's something to celebrate if you're a Colorado fan. I really hope they get to see the field a little bit more this coming year. But flipping over to Stanford here, Rob, um, that secondary got gashed. Um, Devontae Chenault was able to get like a couple big plays there. The rush defense wasn't great. Um, now, now I, I would say also like the rush offense there for, um, Colorado, uh, Broussard has more than hundred yards in two games in a row, which is pretty exciting if you're a Buffs fan. Um, but let's flip over here to this game. Like Max was saying, uh, Stanford is a two point favorite. And the thing that makes me nervous about this is is Washington State's offense against Stanford's defense because I don't think Stanford's secondary is good at all, and I think I think Washington State can run the ball, so I think they're going to be able to put up points. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the, I don't I don't think Stanford is really going to be able to effectively stop, um, you know, Washington State, you know, very often here. I I, I think, um, you know, like Colorado Colorado is not in and. I, I think that they're improved. I don't think that they're an amazing offense. Um, and Stanford really struggled with them um, out of the gate. I think that you're, I, I think that this could be, you know, this is, it feels like you're just putting, we're putting it all on like Davis Mills getting out of the, you know, his first game funk. Right. Um, Cause that's what really has to, I mean, like if that happens, you know, like I, you know, I could see, I could see Stanford winning this game by a touchdown. If it doesn't, though, right? Like, then Washington State's could probably win the game by a touchdown. Yeah, like I'm, I'm curious about. I think we know what Stanford's defense is. I still don't quite know what Washington State's defense is, Rob. Like, what, like, what are your impressions of what they've been able to do so far? I mean, they've had their moments, right? But I mean, they, they still look, you know, fairly untalented. They're a little more. They're, they're better coached, certainly, that they've been since Grinch left. But. Uh, you know, I, they, they haven't, you know, at any point really, you know, left you with, you know, like with Oregon, it still felt like, you know, the Ducks were sort of like either shooting themselves, you know, mostly shooting themselves in the foot, um, you know, as opposed to, you know, and, and still figuring out more head scheme um, as opposed to really like Washington State being able to do something to Oregon. Um, and they also, I mean, they, you know, they, they, struggled a little bit with what it turns out is not a great, you know, like, I mean, not a great Oregon state attack, right. You know, Oregon state was able to, to really stay in that game with them 
um, because the defense struggled. Right. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, like what we talked about last week, what we thought would happen if Mills played and if he was on, you know, that, you know, Fahoko might have a really big game. You know, I think that's still true. I mean, Washington state has a very bad secondary, uh, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's tough. I, 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 I like, I mean, I don't think any, like Stanford's offense isn't anything like Oregon's, you know, in this, I mean, I, I, I think, I don't think Stanford's going to put up, um, I mean, unless this turns into a shootout where they're both just putting up a lot of points, I don't think that Stanford's going to put up 35 here against Oregon you know, Washington state. Um, I think Washington state's probably good for 30 against Stanford. I, th- I think, you know, I'm curious what the over is. Um, do you have that number on you, Max? Uh, 64 and a half. Damn. God, Vegas. Freaking Vegas. I-, I took the I took the under on the Arizona game, and then I took the under, I think, in the Oregon game. So the, the over-unders have worked out fairly well. I might take the over, uh, even though it's really high. Um, I just, I think Stanford's going to put up some points. I'll, I'll, um, I'll take Stanford. Um, I agree with Max. I think I think we kind of are downplaying Stanford's ability to throw the throw the ball, and um, I can see Washington State getting a little high on their own supply, going going in and playing Stanford two and zero. They played really well. I think they're going to put up points, but I think Stanford's going to put up points too. I'll, and if the the you know if the uh, the spread's going to be that thin, I'll take Stanford. But um, I'm going to keep an eye on that over and see where it ends up on game day because I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. Let's move on. Last game here, UCLA. 13 and a half point underdog on the road at Oregon. And uh, let's go with you, Rob. Would you, well, let's go with you, Max, because Rob, you're going to give the numbers here. I, th- I thought Oregon uh, with, with the three turnovers, basically in the first quarter um, to, to be able to come back from that uh, with that on the road, it's cold. Washington state's on fire. I know Washington state isn't an elite team, but to be able to not only win, but cover the spread. Holy goodness. <laughs> like that was really impressive. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, Oregon's offense um, I, with, with Moorhead, is, it's just such a clear upgrade. Um, I really like their skill position, guys. Uh, the offensive line had to replace so many, uh, their their whole offensive line, actually. And it, and it looks like that they're, they're um, gelling quicker than expected. Um, yeah, no, I've just been really, really impressed with Oregon's offense. And I mean, while, while the defense gave up uh, some plays against Washington State, there's still so much talent on this defense. It's still a well-coached group. Oregon, I mean, easily the best team in the past. Like, I would I would have them, I don't know, maybe like a touchdown favorite on a neutral over any other Pac-12 team. Like, they're, the Ducks are really, really good. And they're the one team that I would consider taking as a double-digit favorite. I actually don't think UCLA is as, and I, I said this before, like I, I don't think UCLA is that bad, but a lot of the, the Pac-12 bottom dwellers, like they, they've they all looked like better than we thought, but I, this is still the least talented UCLA team there's been in a while. Um, and I mean, they, they played they played Colorado, they, they played a Cal team that was kind of a mess, like not exactly, like not exactly the top tier of the Pac-12 like Oregon is. And so while 13 and a half is high, I'm going to lay it with Oregon. Uh, I'm not, I think that this team is just an absolute juggernaut. Front door cover, by the way, for, uh, for Oregon being able to cover that spread at the end. Uh, Tyler Shuck, 21 of 30, 70% completion rate, four touchdowns, one interception. 
I, I think one of the things that stood out for me, Rob, was there was multiple times and I was banging my head against the wall with some other Pac-12 teams in terms of that like third and two, third and six, third and one, like any any major or like, you know, second and goal, third and goal. And I like the way that Moorhead did pre-snap motion. He did creative. He just he came up with creative ways of getting that ball to where it needed to go. And I think that that makes such a big difference in some of these key spots, particularly um, on the road. There there was a. Uh, a world where this game got super weird where Washington state goes up and they just hold on by the skin of their teeth. And again, to just to be able to move that ball over and over again and just do a lot of really interesting things on offense was interesting. Jalen red, almost hundred yards, um, obviously CJ Verdell, 118 yards touchdown plus some receptions. Troy Dye also got in uh, the action. Uh, what did you think about Oregon in this game? I thought they were, I mean, other than the turnovers, I thought they were terrific. Um, you know, and yeah, it's Washington State's defense, but I mean, Oregon's, I think they're headed in the right direction right now, for sure. Um, you know, I I do think that the, the defense has had a few more hiccups than maybe I was expecting. I, again, I expect them to get that ironed out. Um, I think that the offense, uh, you know, as they continue to like uh, to lean into this, I like their numbers are heading in some really good places um, in the unweighted data. So I, I really like what they're, what they're doing. I, I, I think that they're, as they work through the kinks in particular as Chuck, you know, you know, knows what, as he gets to the point where he knows what his read really has to be um, uh, on either the run or the pass. I think that this Oregon offense could be really dangerous. Yeah. Let's go Oregon's offense against UCLA's defense here. Um, because they looked, the front seven looked good against Cal, but I just thought Cal again was in a weird spot. Um, and and really, UCLA's uh, front seven got gashed by Colorado the game before. So, I mean, I just think that C.J. Verdell is going to be able to get his. Um, you take a look at the secondary, and I just think that secondary is kind of pieced together. I think Shuck and the wide receivers from uh, Oregon are pretty solid. If you flip it over on the other side, um, I mean, DTR, Max, I, I know, like, two games in a row he's had the numbers. But if you watch those games, like, He's gonna throw up. He's I I I I hope there's a prop about him throwing a, a pick because he's gonna throw one against this Oregon secondary, um, and I think this secondary is really really good. And then you know like is Felton and Britton Brown gonna get 200 yards against Oregon? I don't know. What do what do you think about UCLA moving the ball against Oregon's defense? I've never been so confident. I I feel that Oregon's getting a defensive touchdown in this game. Oh, a uh, 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 like a hundred percent. There's been so uh, it's, it's just and and I can't wait to to talk about it next week. Yeah, no, it, it's just like DTR is still a walking turnover. I mean, Oregon's defense is still just, they're an opportun, uh, opportunistic group. Um, and, and I mean, DTR like he has some truly like mind-boggling, horrendous like whether it's it's a fumble where he go, where he's untouched and, and he loses it, or just some horrible horrible decisions on throws. Um, but I mean, UCLA, at least with, um, like on offense, like, uh, they're, they're, well, with a Chip Kelly offense, I mean, like the tight end is going to be the focal point and, it, and it's been the case so far this year. Um, I still really like Demetric Felton. Um, I mean, they, they still have some pieces, but I mean, Oregon's, Oregon's defense, uh, there's, there's just so much to love talent wise. But I, I think with UCLA's defense, what I've been most impressed with, they, they have so many, they're averaging a lot of tackles for loss per game. Uh, granted, it was against Cal's offensive line in one of in one of those games, 
But it just seems like that UCLA is playing a very aggressive style and that and that boomer bust um, that that could definitely help. And, and at least for me, I mean, I don't see I, I just think with that boomer bust type of deal, like I'd be looking at the over in this game. I, I think that they're like this is a game where I could see like or like I could see like a 49 21 type of deal. Yeah, I, I can see that, too, Rob. Are, are you going to you're going to take the points or lay them? I'm, I'm definitely going to. I'm going to be on Oregon here. I did 13 and a half right now. Like get it before it gets to 14 if you can. Um. <laughs> <laughs> There's two games in both of these teams, right? Even though one of those for UCLA is that training wheels game against Cal. Um, it's Oregon is, comes in at number 10. UCLA is at number 66. Oregon's a 22 point favorite in beta rank. Um, I, I think Oregon houses UCLA. Um, <laughs> this is, you know, Oregon's D offense right now is at number 25 in beta rank. A lot of their numbers, the ones that are only in season data, they don't have any preseason waiting on them are a lot better than that. They're number two in explosive drives, number nine in play efficiency, number four in negative drives. I mean, UCLA, they're number 85 in explosive drives, number 113 in negative drives on defense. I mean, they're number 90 on defense overall. Like I just, I, there's, like you just you're not getting Cal here, guys. Congratulations. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Oregon's defense, like they've they've definitely had some struggles, right? I mean, like their numbers aren't where I would have expected them. They're number three right now. A lot of that's still preseason weight. They're explosive drives. They've given up some bigger plays than I would have expected. They're at 83 there right now. Um, but like UCLA is at 45 on offense, was which is you know, they're they're which is you know, and a lot of their numbers, like their their explosive drives number at 25, is built off of, you know, they haven't faced a, a particularly good defense yet. Um, and they got to face Cal with the defensive line had been out and unable to practice, you know, due to COVID. So I don't know. I just, I, there's nothing I like about this game for the Bruins. And in particular, as Max said, like DTR, like it's not just the interception. I mean, fumble fingers here. <laughs> Is 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 going to be at least an interception or a fumble, right? Like, and um, I just think that this, like, you know, we, what we've seen from UCLA, um, there just there there aren't enough dimensions that Chip Kelly has in his offense to go up against, you know, an Oregon squad like this that I think is is just getting rolling. Uh, and I think that this Oregon offense just really lights it up against this UCLA defense. And Oregon has covered both games where they were what minus four and minus three in turnover differential. Yeah, yeah there's 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 no way that's happening against UCLA with the, with that that negative of a turnover differential in this game. The the other thing, if you're a UCLA fan, I think a couple things to look out for because I think the offense is what it is. I think we know what Chip Kelly is bringing to the table. It's just a question of whether or not that offensive line is going to be able to hold off against the the front seven of Oregon. But I think really the question is what's what's UCLA's defense? If they're able to hold CJ Verdell uh, and and you know all the litany of running backs that that Oregon has there, that's pretty encouraging. You know, if your secondary is able to like Shuck can throw the ball down the field, and they have some talented wide receivers. If UCLA can hold that, I mean, I think those are the things. I think UCLA is going to lose, but it's just whether or not um, you can look for improvements on defense. I think that's really the interesting thing that I'd be looking for if I'm a UCLA fan. But uh, with that said, I will give the points and take UCLA. All right, guys, we've gone almost a, an hour and 30 minutes. I'll try to tighten it up a little bit next week, uh, tighten it up, uh, try to keep things going a little bit faster. But thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Stay tuned. 
uh, in in two days, we're going to drop our Scheme podcast. And I listened to the beginning of it. I'm doing the editing right now. Um, really, really interesting stuff, particularly if you're a Washington State fan. Um, and, and if you're a USC fan, they go into uh, what what Harold's doing over there uh, with the Air Raid in USC. So uh, just some interesting stuff. Guys, thanks for coming on. We will catch everybody next week.